of invisible things. Now, let me read you the definition of substance. Now, I like to study words. You guys can, I guess, have figured that out. But I like, this is what Webster's Dictionary says about it, and it's the Hebrew or Greek definition is pretty much the same. And it says that which subsists by itself is called substance. And also it's something that, that in, in, in Greek, I believe it says it's, it's, it's the thing that everything else stands on. Have you, ever, have you ever just talked about somebody and said, man, there was a lot of substance in what he said? Let's say this together. We should be people of substance. Now, that substance, that faith is so powerful that it can, it can, it can exist by itself in a dark room without anybody encouraging you. Have you ever listened to some of the men who spent years in POW camps in Vietnam? Almost to a man, what do they say kept them? Their faith. Let's say this together. Faith, the substance of my life, exists in and of itself. And in the darkest time of your life and mine, if that's there and, it, and you've put that foundation even in the darkest day of your life, that faith will get you through that day. It's a powerful thing to think about. And, and I've just been going through this the last little while, and it's, it's been convicting to me in a lot of ways. I hope it is to you this morning. We don't have time to act like we acted before September the 11th. If we remain unchanged by the events that's overtaken our country, we will have failed in our mission as Christians to this nation. And it needs to make you mad. And it needs to make you angry. And it needs to move you and I to corporate prayer and intercession. The young men and young women in our, in our, in our, in our armed forces, their battlefield is real. Our battlefield is natural or is spiritual, but the consequences are just as real as their battlefield because it's life and death issues. I believe the Lord is going to just bring a deposit here by a very strong substance of faith in your life. And I feel like it's going to become so strong that that in itself will be one of the most powerful witnessing tools and one of the most powerful evangelistic tools and weapons you've ever had is a fellowship. All right, two main things about faith. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's the foundation for which our relationship stands on. But let's say this together. Faith is the underlying reality of things hoped for. It is a conviction of the invisible things. Now, I'll say this to you. Faith relates us to the invisible. You guys are doing good. Let's say it together. Faith relates us to the invisible. I'll tell you a story about my wife, uh, and, and, and I, I listened to her tape last year. But uh, 1993, my wife had cancer. She's had cancer twice. Uh, her and I both had cancer last year, just about this time, a year. And uh, I remember the first, uh, the first time Glenda had uh, cancer, and she got through all her surgery and every, uh, radiation treatments and all. She was going to start chemotherapy treatments, and her chemotherapy was an hour and a half long. 
So uh, I'm the wimp of the family. My wife is a warrior. She's the most courageous person I've ever known. And so she gets out our tape recorder, she opens her Bible, and she sits there for a good long while, and she reads all the scriptures on healing and all the Psalms and all the Proverbs that have just been meaningful to her over the years. And the very last part, this tape was an hour and a half long, the very last part of this tape was a word that was spoken to me about her uh, at a time when we didn't, you know, I didn't know what the word meant, but it was given to us by a friend of mine. His name is Paul Kane. And he looked at me in a meeting probably six weeks before this happened. And he said this, Philip, your marriage will survive. Glenda won't have a nervous breakdown. Glenda will live and not die. So Glenda put that on the very end of that tape. She'd go have chemotherapy. She'd put her headphones on. And, uh, uh, and she'd listen to that tape all in her own voice. And then the last thing on that tape, Philip, your marriage will survive. Glenda won't have a nervous breakdown. Glenda will live and not die. Tape was over. Chemotherapy was over. That has sustained her through two really horrible bouts and battles with cancer. And she is tenacious about that. And the very same thing helped me through that this time last year. <clears throat> Talk to yourself. I mean, if it takes you making a tape, make a tape. One of the most profound scriptures to me in the New Testament is when, when Jesus looked at Peter and said, Who do you say that I am? That's the important thing for you and I when it comes to faith. What do you got to say about it? Who is God to you? It's not what I say he is to me. That won't help you any. But who is he to you? It's an important thing for us. All right, let's, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We're doing pretty good. Before we walk by faith... Not by sight. Let's say this together. Faith opens my eyes to the invisible world of the Spirit. If you're a prophetic person, the most important thing, I hear people ask me all the time, how, do I get, how, how can I see more and hear more of the Lord? Pray for the Lord to increase your faith. Because our faith opens the invisible world up to us. The invisible world of the Spirit is open to us through faith. Does that make sense? Yeah. You ever heard somebody say, uh, seeing believing, but not for us? Let's say this together. For us, for us. Believing, believing is seeing. How do you see America today? The answer to that question is vital. Do you see it here? Or do you see it through the eyes of faith? Let's say this together. Faith and sight. One excludes the other. <laughs> it does. Let's say this together. We must believe first. And then we will see. Now, you don't know me very well, but, uh, and I don't want to give my testimony, but I'd probably the same thing if I knew some of you. Just the impossibility of your life. And 
people I've known where I lived for years and years. I've always been there in my home except for six weeks of my life, the first six weeks of it. And people say, I just can't, I don't believe it. You guys are the same way. This is another powerful scripture, John 11:39. Take away the stone, he said, but Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I like this, Psalms 27:13. I'm still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Jesus looked at Peter one day and he said, Peter, you don't have in mind the things of God but of man. You know what he was saying to Peter? He said this, Peter, you think like a man. And long as you and I think just like men think, we'll never be able to fully uh, accomplish and all the Lord's called us to do, we'll never be able to effectively follow Him because you can't do it and think like all the guys out there and all the common commentators and all the editorial writers and all the scholars. and all, You can't think like unredeemed man and ever see what God's doing. Do you remember, uh, gosh, I'm way off track, but I'll just go ahead and say it. I've lost, lost it now, but you guys remember the story with the woman at the well? Samaritan lady at Jacob's well. Jesus and disciples come through there. They've been going all, you know, out ministering, doing a lot of stuff. They were tired. They were hungry. So he sends the disciples in, say, to Morrisville for, to get something and bring back for lunch. And he's sitting there. And here comes this woman. And that particular time of day is the hottest time of the day in that part of the country. Nobody drew water at that time of the day. The only reason you would go out there is because you're embarrassed and ashamed of your life. I've been that way. I, I, I got so embarrassed and ashamed of what had happened to us one time. I, I, would, I didn't even go in. We had a, have a post office box. I've had it for years and years and years. I would wait till night, 12 o'clock or later, before I'd go get the mail. You know why? Because I was embarrassed to have to look people I knew in the eye. Aren't you glad of the mercy of God? But that's why she was out there. So she comes up. You guys know the story. Jesus told her all about her life. Told her he was the Messiah. He didn't tell that to many people. His disciples come back. And they look, look and they say, what are you talking to her for? Let's say this together. Prejudice, Prejudice. is not, not manly. It's not godly. It's not, it's not tolerable. In the family of God. The good Jews didn't like Samaritans. And they said, what are you talking to her for? And you guys know the rest of the story. The whole town comes out to hear him. A citywide revival happened. And the disciples just saw someone Jesus shouldn't have been talking to. And they missed a citywide revival. Let's say this together. Faith, Faith lifts, us lifts us beyond, beyond what, men see what men see and shows us shows how God sees how God people, people and families and, families and cities 
and nations. Is it possible to pray for the great revival and miss it? Sure it is. The men who had prayed the longest and the most to see the Messiah crucified him and said he never came. And they're still looking for him today. It's only through faith. And then Jesus said this <clears throat> this to him, an amazing scripture to me. He said, you say, yet the harvest is still four months away. But I say to you, lift your eyes and look, for the harvest is here. It's now. There's so much of the church today praying for the great revival and the great renewal. And I want to say to you, it is here. And so much of them are going to miss it when it happens because they still see it out there. And in the midst of everyday life and things are happening, I believe Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For I say they are ripe for the harvest. People say, well, we're just waiting for the next big move of God. I don't think there will be another one. This is my, my firm conviction. If the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus and the power of the cross is not enough for us, what more could we possibly need to fulfill the call on the church to evangelize and preach the gospel and make disciples? There's nothing new coming. He's given us everything we need. I believe that. That's my firm conviction. All right, next thing it says this... Uh, Let's say, oh, I'm, I'm lost. Second Corinthians 4.17, I'll read that, and we'll try to get this finished up. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. For we fix our eyes on what, uh, <clears throat> we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's say this together. My little spiritual gift doesn't go to heaven. It don't. The Bible says the gifts are passed away. But what remains? I was driving to the airport one time uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, Dallas is just like Charlotte. So many other places in the country, just the growth is just explosive. And if you miss going into Dallas for a month, it'll be different because they're just building so fast. And I was driving down. I felt like the Lord said, look at that building and tell me what you see. And I just looked over and I said, I see scaffolding. And he said, that's the problem with the church. They only see the scaffolding. They never see the building. The gifts of the Spirit are scaffolding around this beautiful building called His body. And they're only tools. They're only scaffolding. And when the building's completed, the scaffolding comes down, the tools are put away. Now, I believe in the spiritual gifts, but nobody's going to prophesy in heaven. Some charismatic's going to try it, I'm sure. <clears throat> but listen, guys, can I tell you the, I, what I feel like the Lord's saying to me about this fellowship he wants you to be proficient in the gifts of the Spirit, to know how to use them, to know about them. But he wants you to fall in love with the building. And that is his body. And it takes faith and it takes hope and it takes love for you and I to make it as friends, to make it as a husband and a wife through the course of our life for our families. It takes those things. And what's the greatest? 
because love never fails. Your self-discipline will fail you someday because I used to run 20 miles every Sunday morning up until not many years ago. No matter where I was at, the only time I didn't go out, not go out and run, was if it was lightning. And hot or cold, it didn't matter to me. I ran 20 miles every Sunday morning. And I competed in master's track, and I was nationally ranked and, was, and, and did really well. But there come a time <clears throat> that one Sunday morning I just couldn't get up. And I got up at 5 o'clock. didn't matter what was, where I was at or what was going on. And I just couldn't get up. And my discipline failed me. And I went down to, speaking of church in Fort Worth, and I knew a girl, a young lady there. She was a high school senior at the time. She was an All-American at Villanova and the University of Arkansas in cross country and track. She was something else. And uh, she, was, she would run a low 450 or a high 440 mile when she was a senior in high school. That's a big deal for a girl. So I was speaking one day and, and at, her, at her church, and she came up to me after that. And she said, uh, Phil, can I give a word to you? Her name was Megan Flowers. And I said, sure, Megan. And she looked at me and she said, the Lord says, I'm going to give your love of running back to you so you can run again. And the Lord spoke this to me and he said, Philip, love surpasses discipline. Why did he tell Peter, do you love me, Peter? Let's say this together, love. With a stronger motivation, a stronger restraint than discipline. I feel like the Lord is going to release just the power of love with you guys. That's something eternal. I feel like the Lord is calling us to invest in eternal things. Let's say this together. Faith is a relational word. It relates us to God and His Word. But it relates us to each other. I think faith is one of the strongest relational words in the Bible and certainly in the dictionary in our language. Because you and I only have as strong a relationship as we have faith in each other. Now, in Hebrews 11, it says faith is, is, is the evidence of not saying it's the hope. Let's say this together. Faith is in my heart and it relates me to today. Hope is in my mind and it relates me to tomorrow. Now let's say this together. As my faith gets stronger, my hope increases. Now faith is for today. And that faith, if, that, if it's there for it, we can get us. Have you ever, I've raised two sons, both in their 30s now. I've got four granddaughters. But it's possible to have a bad moment with your son that will last for 10 years. Or it's possible to have a bad moment with your daughter that could last 15 years. But if we have faith in each other, that can give us a little hope for tomorrow and for a better day. That's why faith is so important for us. Because if, I, if, I, if, if we, have, we can work through some hard things, and you guys have, if we have faith in each other, and we can just say, Lord, I just want to live through today. I have faith. I can make it today. And all of a sudden, 
We just hope for a better day. And as our faith gets stronger, then we can hope for a better week, a better month, a better year. Let's say this together. Faith increases our hope as it increases. Why does it say guard your heart? Because that's where your faith resides. Why do we need a helmet to protect our mind? Because that's where our hope is. Hope hope is a matter for the mind. Faith is a matter of the heart. And it's the daily thing. So what does God want from you and I, and what does he want from the church in this particular time in history? I don't really think he wants bigger churches, though that's great. If your church grows and this one has, that's fine. I've talked to a lot of people since last Tuesday and got lots of emails from all over the, a lot of places. And they just, just, just to watch something be destroyed, like the, like the World Trade Center, I mean, we all watch that. And we think, man, how can anything ever be the same? Let's just say this together. Think about it, and I'll be finished. I'll pray for you, and I think that's all we need to do today. But let's say this together. Adam fell, but God's purpose lived on. The flood came, but righteousness was preserved in the ark, and it lived on. Moses died, but leadership lived on and continued. The temple was destroyed, but God lives in a temple not made by human hands. The ark was stolen. The glory of God remained with his people. The world changes. The church changes every day. Pearl Harbor was attacked. Thousands lost their lives, but America lived on. Vietnam came, nearly split our nation, but America endured. And here we are, going on two weeks later, and America has endured. But it has changed. Scripture the Lord gave Glenda and I right after this happened is in Genesis, uh, and God said it to Noah. He said, as long as the earth earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest, summer and winter, the seasons. Things change. But as long as the earth remains, guys, things change. And every temporal thing will pass away in the midst of God's shaking, in the midst of living life, and what will remain for you and I will be these three things, faith and hope and love. My prayer for you is that you would be a gift to this area, this community of faith, so strong that it would encourage and give people hope for their future. Thank you. Let me pray for you. I believe this is really, I could say, thus says the Lord to what I've said to you this morning. I feel that strongly about it.
Let's just say this together. Father, we ask this morning <coughs> that you would increase our faith. Father, we ask that you would forgive us for being just too cynical, too critical, and too judgmental about our times and our nation and the world. Father, we're sorry that we've seen the world just like the men have seen the world. Or we've seen the world through carnal eyes. We've listened to what people have had to say through carnal ears. Lord, this morning, we're sorry that we've thought more like men than we've thought like you. Father, we pray that you would open the eyes of our heart and the ears of our heart and that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, would you open the eyes of our heart that we could see you better, that we could see each other in a different light, that we could see our nation and the times we live in in a different way. Father, we ask that our faith would get us through today and it would be stronger and that our hope would be in our future. Father, we thank you uh, for Jeremiah 29:11. You guys know what that says? Let somebody say it for me. For I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you or to hurt you, but plans for a hope in the future. Let's say this together. As long as God remains and his spirit remains on the earth, remains in America, there is hope for us. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I've enjoyed my time together. I want to speak to uh, Byron and Becky before I finish, so why don't you guys uh, stand up, huh? Now, I've known these guys just a little while, so and we've talked a lot, but uh, I felt like what the Lord was uh, telling me about the both of you, the first time I met you, that uh, you really have no idea what the Lord is going to bring you to to do. And uh, I feel like he's just been building little by little, bit by bit. But uh, I see you guys standing shoulder to shoulder with, with significant people that you thought you'd never be able, that you'd never be able to do that. And uh, I feel like, too, uh, Byron, that, uh, golly, how can I say this? Uh, well, let's let me pray for him. It'll be better to do it this way. You guys put your hand out to these guys. Amen. Lord, I pray that their reach, and yeah, the Lord says your grasp will always be beyond your reach. And the Lord says, I will do the impossible with you, and I will do the impossible with, with your family, with your daughter, with your sons. And the Lord says, your grasp will be way beyond your reach. And uh, Byron, I feel like the Lord's increased your faith. In that, I feel like he's given you both just an understanding that you something way beyond what you thought was within your reach. I feel like the Lord's lifted your eyes 
to see some impossibilities. And uh, I feel like the Lord has just put in a reservoir and a, de- and a deposit of faithfulness and loyalty and godly endurance uh, in your lives that's going to be a stronghold for people to get a hold of. And uh, I feel like the Lord is going to draw around you even a greater uh, circle of men and women of strong faith and full of hope and, and men and women who are not afraid. Not afraid of the times and the seasons we live in. Now, Lord, I pray that you would touch their bodies. And Lord, I just ask that I hear dogs barking when I look at you. And uh, that's just a lot serious thing, just annoying things like dogs barking in the night. Lord, shut the mouths of barking dogs around Byron and Becky. And uh, Lord, I know, uh, Lord, I know a little bit about them. Uh, Lord, they, they've built their endurance. Uh, but Lord, I pray that their endurance would be much stronger uh, than they would think. And Lord, I pray that they would stand shoulder to shoulder and side by side and speak the word of the Lord together. And when Byron would start, Becky could finish. And when Becky would start, Byron could finish. Uh, and Lord, I pray, uh, uh, Lord, I, I want to pray for your son Philip. Is he here? In here? There you are. <coughs> You guys raise your hand out to Philip, huh? It's a good name. <laughs> uh, Philip, I believe uh, you have an eye for the invisible. And uh, I, I just, when I met him yesterday, I just saw just uh, a real strong prophetic gift uh, in him. And, uh, and I surf. I'm a surfer, too. And uh, I've learned from some friends of mine who are, one of them was a world champion for several years. But he... <laughs> he taught me, he said, if you're going to surf, you're going to have to learn to read the waves and read these swells. And uh, I feel like the Lord has given given him just in the natural, just a love for doing that and an eye to watch the swells and to watch the sea. But I feel like, uh, Philip, uh, it's just uh, the Lord's doing that for you in the natural because you love it. He's letting you do it, but it's a spiritual thing uh, that he's doing for you. And I feel like in the future, you're just going to be able to watch the swells, and to read the waves in the spirit. And I feel like he's going to be able just to prophesy some very powerful things about timing. As you don't have to worry about it happening today, but it's, it's, just, a, it's just a building thing. And, and I, I tell you what I see for you uh, in the future. This is what I felt like when I saw you yesterday. I feel like the Lord is, he's got a technical mind. He's a lot like you. He's a, he's a technical guy. And uh, but I feel like he's going to give him an education that will be so valuable and so needed that in his way.